If uh, the, the aliens like manufactured you to be uh, a nah. mixed martial arts fighter, they're like, let's see if we could just turn. This I'm sure. Into I would, a bad it, I'm sure if it would have happened, I would have been much better than than, than this. Much know? better than this. You're the fucking champion. What are yeah, you talking but about? if I would be alien manufacturer, I would be a <laughs> Superman. You know. Hello, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, aliens, Martians, any conscious beings tuning into the podcast. I welcome you to episode 45 of Martian Mixed Martial Arts. This week, we will be previewing the UFC 232 pay-per-view going down in Los Angeles, California, this Saturday night, December 29th, 2018. At the end of the podcast, we will also quickly recap the UFC on Fox Lee versus Iaquinta card that went down uh, two weekends ago on December fifteenth. I'm switching up the the method, the usual method of the podcast. I figured that more people would be uh, wanting to tune in about the current event instead of uh, sitting through a recap of the previous event. So I think from now on, I'm going to do the recaps of the previous events at the end of the show and start things off with uh, just getting right into the fights for the UFC uh, that weekend. So that's going to that's going to take effect this episode. So we're going to get right into UFC 232. But before we talk about the first fight we have to talk about the elephant in the room the fact that this fight is no longer taking place in las vegas nevada and has been uh transferred i guess you could call it to los angeles california on six days notice a totally unheard of thing in modern mixed martial arts i believe this happened in maybe the early or mid 90s with the ufc when you know uh states weren't uh didn't really have athletic commissions uh, sanctioning mma and there were always some last minute uh changes in the uh in the events back then i believe the 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 fight was supposed to happen in colorado and something went wrong and they had to fly all the fighters to alabama instead to fight so sort of a similar situation here but um, this this uh, the the reason why this fight is moving is just it's just fascinating. Uh, you know we have the the UFC right now. The UFC president Dana White, uh, Jeff Nowitzki, the director of USADA. We have media. You know UFC shill media all saying that there is no new there's no failed drug test here there's no new intake of any performance enhancing drugs there's no new you know anything um but that's not the case that's not the case at all that may be the narrative that everyone is pushing right now but that is not the case at all so what happened is john jones tested positive for trace amounts of a, a steroid metabolite uh, you know, not a. They say not enough of a, a, a trace to make it possible for consumption. That's what Dana White is saying right now. That it's so little that he couldn't have possibly taken anything because it would be it would be it would show up as more. Um, again, what a fake narrative that is being pushed right now. They're basically saying anything they can to, to keep this fight happening, and if they have to lie and scheme or their way around it to make this fight happen, that is what they're doing. 
so you have everyone saying that there's no Jones did nothing wrong. He didn't do it. He didn't take anything new. He didn't. Uh, that that's just that's just bullshit, man. You know, John Jones has been taking performance enhancing drugs his entire career. He tested positive for the exact same substance last year and received a, a 15 month suspension for it should have been longer it should have been two years minimum maximum four years but it got reduced to 15 months for um you know the snitch clause in the usada deal you know not speculating either he 100 the reason why he's his his suspension got reduced was because he provided information on other athletes in order to reduce his suspension that is not it's not a rumor it's not a speculation it's not talking shit that is what happened with john jones now uh, a, a year and a half later fast forward he's getting his, his fight is back on and everything like that he's got his license renewed and bam he pops again and they for the same exact substance he did last time the narrative that is being pushed by USADA right now by Jeff Nowitzki is saying that that the same the same drug that he took last July has stayed in his system for the past 17 months and has just resurfaced in trace amounts on his last test. Even though he has taken tests before and after that have had no trace amounts. So I think it was December 9th is the test that popped. Maybe December 8th or whatever, that test was clean. The December 10th test was clean. The December 9th test was dirty, and they said it's just, uh, you know, it, it just washed back ashore. The, the, te the, the steroids that were in his system just resurfaced somehow. Even though, even though Jeff Nowitzki, the director of USADA, has clearly stated on Joe Rogan's podcast that Tyrannoball cannot stay in your system for more than a few months usually weeks months at the latest he's on he's on record there's video, you could go on you could listen to a video of him saying that oral tyrannoball only stays in your system for maximum three months and all of a sudden he's now saying that 17 months later that same t uh, steroid is in john's system like i said man this is just a big ruse a big you know farce they're, they're creating this this whole fake oh john didn't do anything wrong he didn't no he he did he took the same exact steroid except this time his doctor uh you know cycled it out of his system a little faster not fast enough to get it completely removed from the test but enough to uh say that it's only trace amounts say that it's only a little bit um the, the little bit that they 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 they're going to the the longest extent they can to to say that John Jones hasn't done anything wrong. This and this analogy that if they took a grain a grain of salt on a on a, a, a table and crushed it into 50 million pieces, one of those little pieces would be the amount that Jones had in his system, or a you know a grain of sand in an Olympic sized swimming pool. They keep using all these analogies to say to say that John didn't do anything wrong. It was just a tiny tiny you know, like let me let me. Uh, give an example about how tiny it is. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how tiny it is. Other athletes, other uh, fighters have been suspended for less or the same amount that John has tested positive for. It's just because John has had problems with USADA before. He's had provided assistance to USADA before. He's the main event of this card. It's the last card of the year. It's a huge rematch they've been building. Uh, it's for a vacant title. You know, it's it's for all. The, it's got a lot on the line. They can't just. They didn't want to just scrap this main event and have a disaster six days out. So what they decided to do is just come up with this narrative and you know move the fight. Um, we could keep talking about this for a few more minutes. Uh, we there's a. Uh, 
you know, there's a lot to there's a lot to explain, man. Um, the amount that John tested positive for was 60 picograms. People keep saying it was 60 picograms. That's it. Picograms, I'm pretty sure, is like a, a trillionth of a, a gram or something like that, or a millionth. So 60 picograms. That's it, right? Uh, but except for it, it's 60 picograms per liter. Okay, so all of a sudden it went from 60 to 60 per liter. It's okay. How many liters are in? There's there's 60 milliliters in a, a typical urine sample. So 60 times 60, that's 3,600 picograms. So J Jeff Nowitzki gave the example for one picogram. He said it is one, you know, one millionth of a gram or one sea salt. He didn't give the analogy for 3,600. I like to hear the analogy for how many. What what size thirty six hundred picograms is equivalent to? What is it? Is it a grain of salt now? Is it you know a fingernail? You know a pencil tip? What the hell is it? There's there there's been very little you know clear explanation about this. You 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 hope to hear more on Joe Rogan's podcast tomorrow. He's uh, allegedly having Jeff Nowitzki, the USADA director, on his podcast to explain the situation, but. I have zero, zero interest in listening to that situation because he works for the UFC, he's pushing the narrative the UFC wants to push, and he is lying out his ass right now. It's it's insane. This guy went from being a credible, you know, uh, you know, whatever you call him, drug tester, an incredible, uh, you know, a credible scientist, uh, and to the past couple of years, he's been controlled by the UFC, making decisions that are in the UFC's best interest, and he has to, you know, wiggle around the lines uh, of the USADA protocol to make the UFC happy. So it doesn't matter that it, they have a no tolerance policy, and Tom Lawler has been, you know, uh, Tom Lawler got suspended for a smaller amount of picograms than john jones is it didn't matter it matters that they need the ufc to succeed so jeff Nowitzki does whatever he feels the ufc wants them to so i guarantee that podcast is going to be you know you're just going to smoke blown up your ass for the entire time you listen to that podcast joe rogan works for the ufc you know love the guy to death but but the pay-per-view is five or two days away they're not he's not going to be asking any too hard questions you know, if they know that this thing is in jeopardy, you know, if he asks, you know, uh, a question that clearly reveals the truth, he, hey, Jeff, uh, it, you know, does Dana White have any say in, in, you know, whether, you know, these tests go suspended or not? Or, you know, why was Tom Waller suspended and John Jones not? He's not going to ask those hard questions. He's going to cover John Jones's ass and make sure this pay-per-view goes down without problem in two days. I mean, it's just incredible, man. It, this this sport, man. John Jones, you know, the the most problematic fighter in the history of the USC by far, beats out Conor McGregor by far, beats out Brock Lesnar by far. Any other guy who's tested positive, uh, you know, Matt Riddle, Nate Diaz, Nick Diaz, all of them, not even close to John Jones, man. He's failed, what three three drug tests before for cocaine for for steroid no this is his fourth well they don't they're not ruling it a fail but this is his fourth drug test with the complication the cocaine test the steroid test that pulled him off a of 200 the steroid test after 214 and now this test before 232 so man John, not to mention his multiple hit and runs and his arrests and everything like that. He's the most problematic fighter in the in the history of the sport, and I don't think anybody else. You know, maybe Connor if he keeps up the same rate that he's going right now, he'll catch up soon. But man, John Jones has a number on Connor right now. So the logistics behind this 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 change of event are insane. I can't imagine 
the on six days notice having to change 26 fighters 26 fighters hotels their corners hotels not to mention the fans in vegas who you know planned vacations uh, around this got tickets got hotels got flights everything like that it probably had their christmases ruined it's a it's a really shitty situation man but uh it, honestly i'm still grateful the fight is happening i'm not mad at john jones i'm not all oh, this steroid cheat fuck it man he's the greatest fighter who's ever walked the face of the earth who cares if he has 3,600 picograms of, uh, you know, steroids in his system? I, I really don't. I, it's just the fact that this USADA program is a joke and they continue to make a joke out of it. They continue to abuse it and, you know, give stars leverage, give people who draw leverage. And, you know, they're just, they're, it doesn't make any sense. There's there's 500 guys on the roster who are getting their, their dicks or their vaginas stared at by scientists watching watching them pee in the cups you know getting their blood drawn uh knocking on the door at 6 a.m having to do all this shit thinking that this sport is going to be cleaned up but that's just a lie man it's it's all uh, none of that not none of that is happening and they're doing all of this unnecessarily they're watching people piss and they're taking their blood and they're showing up to their house and their gym and their job it's you know various times of the day for no fucking reason because if a person fails one of those tests, there's leverage to get out of it. If you're a star, though, if you're not, Tom Lawler, sorry, man, you don't draw numbers. You pop for 16 picograms, bam, suspended. You know, there's it's it's just a terrible, terrible program. I've ranted about USADA on this podcast, you know, for probably hours before. It's it's one of the worst things in the UFC right now. Reebok, USADA, um, and those are the two, big, and weight cutting, I guess, would you, are the biggest problems in the UFC, but... We'll talk a little bit more about the fight, the main event, John Jones fight uh, at the end of the program, but we're going to start things off at the bottom of this card. Uh, we have a 13 fight card going down. We got, let's see how many fights on, uh, we have a five fight main card and that means we have uh, three fights on the prelims, I believe, maybe four. So we'll start things off on the Fight Pass prelims. We have Brian Kelleher, who is 19 and 19-9, taking on Montel Jackson, who is 6-1. This fight has been uh, scheduled before, and uh, it was canceled. The first time this fight was supposed scheduled to take place, Brian Kelleher opened up as a minus-185 favorite to Jackson at plus-145. But the second time this line was opened up, Kelleher open as the underdog at plus 125, Montel Jackson at minus 145. Um, so that's a very interesting switch. And now the line currently sits at Kelleher plus 145, Montel Jackson plus 165. So despite the, them not never fighting, um, the, the betting line has uh, has flipped in this one. Um, you know, the, the odds makers obviously saw the action coming in on Jackson, uh, <laughs> action Jackson, uh, coming in last fight and decided to, uh, open the line differently this time. But very interesting, man. Uh, this, this should be a good fight at Bantamweight. Both of these guys are, are really, uh, you know, uh, good fighters at Bantamweight. Montel Jackson hasn't really shown it in the UFC so far. He's only had one fight and, uh, you know, that, that fight was a loss. He looked pretty underwhelming in that fight. You know, he came in uh, against Ricky, uh, Ricky Simone, you know, a, a terrific wrestler, and was just, you know, taken down repetitively in that fight and, uh, you know, dominated off his back. He, uh, you know, is uh, claimed to be a great striker. He does have good striking, got huge hands, and uh, he's a real, real long guy for, for Bantamweight. And, 
you know, that's where he's in. He's going to be trying to keep this fight at, you know, at range and using his jab and, you know, working behind power punches, keeping it, keeping it at distance. Kelleher is going to be trying to close that distance, throwing hooks, throwing bombs. This guy throws heavy, man. He is a, you know, a great, a great, you know, pressure fighter. He eats shots. He's got a great chin. He's, you know, he's coming off a loss as well against John Linker. But man, what an incredible war that fight was. He, you know, uh, he, you know, dissed out some good shots to Linker. He, he ate some, and eventually he, uh, you know, went down in the third round for, uh, via knockout. But man, he, he has some, you know, very impressive wins in the UFC. He's finished uh, Damian Stachiak and uh, Yuri Alcantara. He's also got wins over. Over Julio Arce in the in the in the regionals back in Ring of Combat, and he's got a win over former champ Henan Barrow. So Brian Kelleher has the much much more accomplished resume. You know, I just named five five legit wins on his uh, on his resume, five legit UFC caliber wins. You know, while Montel Jackson has wins, you know, his competition has actually been pretty good for for the um, for the regional scene. But man, you know, three and one, four and zero, oh, nine and one. You know, those are good records for regional fighters, but they're just not UFC level. They 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 don't match up with uh, Kelleher's resume at all. So. You know, resumes aside, I think that, that Kelleher is going to have success closing the distance in this one. I think he's going to make Montel uh, uh, Jackson uncomfortable. And I don't think that, uh, you know, unless Montel Jackson really shows up, you know, uh, um, looking much, much improved from his last fight, then I don't think that uh, Montel Jackson is going to have enough to keep this fight at distance and, uh, you know, outstrike Brian, Brian Kelleher. So um, the pick is going to be Kelleher to get the win. And at plus 145, honestly, I really like a play at Brian Kelleher. Moving along to the welterweight division, we have Curtis Melender, who is 16-3, taking on C.R. Badarazara, who is 24-6-1. The betting line for this one opened up Melender, minus 200, favorite to Badarazara at plus 170, and line margins are tightening up a bit. Badarazara is now plus 130, with Melender at minus 150. Another incredible fight in this card to kick things off. Curtis Melender is, a, you know, a, I believe he's a, you know, a very well-accomplished kick boxer and you know he's got to be with his uh his uh his impressive impressive um striking skills you know he it doesn't i don't remember uh you know i remember studying him a lot around his ufc debut before he fought chago alves and uh you know watched a good bit of tape on him so i don't remember if he's kickboxer or not but I would not be surprised at all with his style. He he likes to he likes to keep it standing. He's got great you know great kicks you know head kicks especially man. He's uh, and uh, he's great knees. He's a real long lengthy fighter. He uh, you know beat Max Griffin in his last fight and uh, you know in a very impressive fight. He was taken down in the first round against Griffin. Kind of looked like a bit of a fish out of water on the ground. Didn't look too good off his back, but. His cardio was on point. His, you know, his IQ was on point, and he knew that he couldn't make any more mistakes. He couldn't get taken down anymore, and he would have to win the latter two rounds, uh, outstriking Max Griffin, and that's exactly what he did, uh, picking up the decision victory in that one. So, uh, I, I was, uh, you know, riding high on Melender a little bit for the first two fights. I was, uh, uh you know, I was, I picked him in both of those fights, but you know, I'm, uh, I'm, I think I'm gonna go with Bada Rosara in this one, man. Bada Rosara is just the much more well-rounded fighter. He's He's good. Uh, you know, Melendez is going to be the better striker in there, no doubt. But don't don't uh, don't forget about Badrazar, man. He's got great striking. He's got good kicks. He's got power punches. He's got you know pow uh, power all over. Uh, you know, he's also a great grappler, man. He's got uh, some good submissions on his on his resume and. Um, 
he's he's a, he's also a great wrestler too so he Bada Rosario is the much more well-rounded opponent. I think that he's going to see he, he fights smart too. He he he's fought, you know, some high-level guys before and he's come in with a good game plan and he's beaten them. So, I think he's going to see that Melender's weakness is on the ground and I think that he's going to, you know, try to exploit that, uh, you know, going for the sub. So, I think that he Melender's or uh, Bada Rosario is going to be uh, you know, trying to close the distance, shooting for a takedown and getting the submission while Melender's going to be trying to keep this fight at range, landing head kicks and knees and uh, you know I very well could see Melender keeping this fight at uh, at, uh, at striking range and you know uh, avoiding the takedown, avoiding being on his back. Um, that could, that's very possible that could happen. But at the current odds, I would give I would honestly put Badarizara as the favorite. I just think he has more ways to win this fight. I think that he honestly could win this fight standing too. I think he could catch Melender with a some power shot and maybe uh, rat him a little bit. But I think that if Badarizara gets to win in this fight, his most likely path is via the submission. So earlier in the week his submission line was at maybe plus 700 or more so if you could if you got to uh, jump on that line you know congratulations too i think it's uh, down uh, right around plus or five or six hundred right now even even at that it still has great value so the pick is going to be the afghani cr badarizara to get the win in this one moving on to the next fight which takes place in the middleweight division, we have Uriah Hall, who is 13-9, taking on Bivon Lewis, who is 6-0. The betting line for this one opened up Uriah Hall as the underdog at plus 105. Uh, Bevon, I don't know if it's Bevion or Bivon Lewis at minus 125. Since then, people uh, have been, you know, money's been coming in on this line all all week, uh, flipping each each fighter from a favorite to a dog. Right now, we stand at even money at minus one ten, minus one ten. This is a pretty even fight, you know. Uh, Bivon Lewis is, uh, you know, he's a good striker. He's got. Uh, some some power on the feet. He's coming off of a nice win on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. A nice knockout uh, knee win over uh, Alton Cunningham. Has also uh, beat some uh, some good uh, competition in his regional debut in his regional uh, fights. And he's uh, taken on a seasoned veteran in Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall, uh, you know, showed some real tenacity in his last fight. He went out on his shield, uh, getting knocked out by Paulo Costa, but was looking pretty good. Up until then, uh, he was, you know, fighting behind a jab and doing some damage to Costa, making it a really close fight. But he ended uh, ended up getting knocked out in the second round of that one. He'd really been struggling lately, you know. He's he was losing that fight to Christoph Joko before he caught him with a punch and won that one. But and then he lost to Whitaker, Brunson, Musasi. So he's, you know, he's one and four in his last five. He's really struggling. That's why we see, uh, you know, Bevon Lewis. Uh, uh, a new UFC newcomer coming in here, getting that 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 minus one ten minus one ten price on uh, on Lewis because or against Hall because he's uh, you know so so uh, worn lately. So uh, I think this is going to be you know a very close fight. It's going to be a you know a striking battle. It's going. I think that Uriah Hall will uh, probably be the more technical striker, but Lewis will be throwing more power. So you know I really can't trust Uriah Hall to you know at at even money to you know fight to a decision fight safe and you know not get caught at this point in his career and uh, i i don't think i'd really trust the you know the money on lewis you know fighting uh, such a such a, a veteran in uriah hall an experienced guy in uriah hall in his first fight in the ufc so i think that th uh, this is a you know very accurately set betting line and uh, i'm just gonna pass on this one um 
in terms of the betting aspect, but for predictions, I'm going to pick uh, Uriah Hall to get the win in this one. Next fight in the bantamweight division, we have Nathaniel Wood, who is 14 and 3, taking on Andre Yule, who is 14 and 4. The betting line for this one opened up uh, as a pick'em fight at minus 110 for both fighters. Again, a lot of action coming in on both of these fighters all week, flipping flipping them from dog to, to favorite. Right now, Yule currently sits at the favorite at, at minus 115, Nathaniel Wood at minus 105. So, very, very close matchup in this one. Uh, Nathaniel Wood is, uh, you know, he's coming off of a, a, an impressive win over a Johnny Eduardo, a Darce choke over Johnny Eduardo. He's got a really good ground game. He's got a little bit of power on the feet, too. So, he's a very well rounded fighter. I think he's he is actually the more rounded, excuse me, well more well rounded fighter than Andre Yule in this spot. So, I think Yule. Has got a you know he's got good striking. He's got a little bit of pop in the hands. We saw him make his UFC debut against Hennen Barral, the former champion in Brazil, I believe, also. So and he uh, he was able to win that fight and, and uh, you know pretty impressive fashion into getting the decision in that one. Looked like he got stunned by a punch in the first uh, round of the fight, but was able to take over. You know show some good cardio and uh, win win that fight against the former champion. So. Very impressive debut in that fight, along with Nathaniel Wood having a very impressive debut in his fight against Johnny Eduardo. So, again, I'm going to agree with the betting line in this one, thinking that it's a pretty even matchup. I think that, that uh, Andre Yu will have the, the edge on the feet in this one. I think Nathaniel Wood will have the clear grappling advantage in this one. So, uh, Andre Yu, his, his submission game is definitely his weakest aspect. It was not really uh, you know highlighted by... Hen and Burrell, when they fought, he was not really able to successfully get any takedowns or anything like that. But uh, Nathaniel Wood will definitely be looking to take this fight uh, to the floor here. So the with the guy with more pass to victory, I think is going to be Nathaniel Wood. So I'm going to have to pick him in this one. But uh, in terms of betting lines, I think there's not too much value on either money line in this one. And um, you know, I think that a lot of people are playing, you know, the under and the uh, the fight doesn't go the distance. But I think these guys are pretty well matched up and they will end up going the distance. So um, that's the play there. Next fight in the lightweight division, we have BJ Penn, who is 16, 12 and 2, taking on Ryan Hall, who is 6 and 1. Ryan Hall opened up as the minus 190 favorite BJ Penn at plus 165. BJ Penn is now all the way up to plus 375. People betting down Ryan Hall all the way down to minus 470. So massive line movement coming in on Ryan Hall in this one. And, you know, rightfully so. It's it's a very favorable matchup for Ryan Hall. He's, you know, coming off of about two years of inactivity. Last win over Gray Maynard. I believe it was two, two Decembers ago. Let me check the date on this one. Uh, yeah, December 3rd, 2016. So, no real fights that were interesting. Ryan Hall, he wasn't, you know, getting good offers, and he finally he got an exciting offer in which BJ Penn is his opponent. BJ Penn is, you know, there's, you know, not much to say about him. You know, uh, he's, you know, the former uh, pound for pound fighter, former champion in multiple weight classes. You know, one of the, uh, you know, best fighters to ever uh, walk the, the earth at one point, but. 
man, he's just had such a steep, steep drop off in his past, you know, decade, man. It, it, it is sad that this guy is still fighting. You know, he had that legendary performance over Diego Sanchez where he's licking the blood off his gloves. All of a sudden, he suffers two losses in a row to Frankie Edgar. He bounced back with a quick win over Matt Hughes, and then all of a sudden, it draw, loss, 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 loss. So his past five fights, he has lost. Uh, six fights he is winless in his last six including that draw you know fighting you know ex terrific competition uh nick diaz roy mcdonald frank yeager yaya rodriguez and then um dennis Seaver in his most recent fight you know he's facing a little bit of a step down in competition in this one and ryan hall but man i just it's it's sad that bj man bj pan has cried at the UFC multiple multiple times saying how the he that he needs to give it up and how he doesn't have it anymore and how all this shit and he just keeps coming back and keeps fighting I don't get it I really don't get it it's like why man he's really really tarnished his legacy as one of the greats for you know coming back repetitively and losing fights repetitively and you know not really looking too good in there uh, any of the times you know, maybe against Dennis Seaver, he looked all right, but he, uh, you know, for the most part, has looked pretty bad in his past five fights. So, R Ryan Hall, as you know, is a jiu-jitsu uh, champion, world jiu-jitsu champion, and, you know, a purple belt. Uh, I think he didn't, he didn't he didn't get gold as uh, at Gracie Worlds, but he did uh, get gold as a purple belt, not as a black belt, however. Still high, high-level jiu-jitsu, some of the best jiu-jitsu in the UFC right now. You know, BJ Penn is a black belt of his own, but, you know, he got his black belt um, 18 years ago, and he competed at black belt 18 years ago. Well, Ryan Hall has competed at black belt within the past decade, so there's going to be a huge difference on the ground, despite them both being black belts. I expect Ryan Hall to be playing the leg lock game, you know, butt scooting, trying to uh, pull guard, get BJ Penn down to the ground. BJ Penn's going to want to try to avoid that and try to keep the fight standing. So it has the massive, massive potential to be, uh, you know, a boring fight. Um, you know, uh, a, a, a Ryan Hall scorecards because uh, BJ Penn's just running away the entire time. It has that potential to play out that way. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully we get to see some uh, some decent grappling exchanges there. They're honestly their closest... Um, I think Ryan Hall will honestly get the better on the of the feet of the exchanges on the feet with BJ Penn. BJ is just so far past his prime that Hall will be able to outstrike him, and I think that on the ground it's a little more evenly matched up. So hopefully we get to see some scrambles and some submission attempts, and uh, you know get an exciting fight. But um, you know a high potential of a stinker in this one. But the pick is going to be Ryan Hall. Next fight in the bantamweight division, we have Peter Yan, who is 10 and 1, taking on Douglas De Silva Andrade, who is 25 and 2. The betting line for this one opened up Peter Yan as the favorite at minus 130, Douglas Silva De Andrade at plus 110. Um, and since then, Peter Yan has been bet down to minus 310, all the way uh, De Andrade is all the way up to plus 255. So massive money coming in on peter yan rightfully so man peter yan is it should be the the a huge favorite in this one i think he has really really impressed me so far in the ufc with his two wins knockout win over Turutu ishihara and his decision win over um sun is the gentleman's name uh jisoo sun in his last fight he's just got terrific boxing real pop in his hands he's uh you know only have one loss in his career and he it was a really close hard-fought split decision and he ended up uh you know 
resurrecting or not retaliating that loss um and uh you know beating his uh his only opponent to beat him magomed magomedov and acb you know it's just a terrific fighter of his own right so he has uh peter Jan has fought not only some of the best bantamweights and uh, flyweights in russia but he's also now coming over to the united states and taking on some of uh some of the top guys over here so he ran through Trichu Ishihara really quick and saw his hands just looked so good in that one. He's got super fast hands, good combinations, good cardio, high output. But Douglas Silva Andrade is, you know, he's he's a tough motherfucker too. He throws he throws hard, he throws bombs, he likes to sit in the pocket and trade. He uh, only has a few losses, two losses in his career to uh, Zubario Tutonov and uh, Rob Font, two high-level opponents. But he's other than that, he's unbeaten. Most of his wins coming by knockout. This dude throws bombs man he likes to just march forward and, and throw punches he's got decent cardio too beating uh marlon marlon vera by decision in his most recent fight so these two uh, i think they're gonna stand in in uh, on the feet and trade it's gonna be a highly highly entertaining bout i think that peter Jan is just gonna be quicker his hands are gonna be uh you know landing the better shots and i think that he's gonna you know win a mostly of a boxing match in this one possibly knocking out uh andrage in this one but i think it'll be pretty close on um Maybe for the first round, but uh, I think that uh, Jan will pick up his his output in the latter rounds and win a decision, or possibly score a late, a late knockout on uh, Andrade in this one. So the pick is going to be Peter Jan. And in the main event of the prelims in the women's featherweight division, we have Megan Anderson, who is seven and three, taking on Kat Zingano, who is ten and one. The betting line for this one opened up Kat Zingano as the minus one ten favorite. Megan Anderson is minus one ten favorite, so pick 'em fight at minus one ten in this one. Looking over at five dimes right now, a lot of money has come in on. Kat Zingano pushing her down to minus 150 while Megan Anderson is shot up to plus 130 so uh, I agree with the line movement in this one man a couple surprising openers I just I haven't really mentioned them if I saw openers on uh, you know uh, Zingano at minus 110 that's uh, you hit that Peter Yan at minus 130 hit that BJ or, uh, Ryan Hall at minus 190 hit that man those are all super super wide openers on it i can't believe that they opened as that the past three fights have had pretty crazy openers well maybe we'll keep the train rolling in the next fight but uh getting back to zingano versus anderson in this one megan anderson uh making her ufc debut in her last fight against holly holm not exactly an easy fight to make your debut in but it it wasn't it's not like she just i got outstruck cleanly she she got really uh you know just out outworked in all aspects of MMA she was outstruck and out grappled out wrestled everything uh, she showed you know pretty bad taking on the fence pretty bad jiu-jitsu per, uh, bad ability off her back and that's against a striker in Holly Holm a girl who really hasn't wrestled that much in her in her career and now she's facing a wrestler who, or a fighter who's a predominantly a wrestler likes making fights gritty going for takedowns pushing against the cage you know landing clinch strikes you know going for ground and pound and that's going to be bad news for Megan Anderson I really don't see she's not going to be good enough to to outstrike her for you know three rounds she's not going to be able to keep Zingano at bay you know maybe she can keep her off for a round or two and maybe squeak out a couple rounds I really do not see Megan Anderson winning decision the only chance I see Megan Anderson in winning this fight is landing some clean punches on the feet and rocking Zingano and maybe going for a TKO or uh, a KO possibly because you know, Zingano is just going to be so, she's going to be tenacious with the takedown. She's going to be chasing it nonstop. She's never going to let up off the gas pedal. She's got good cardio. She can, you know, drag you, uh, drag the fight into the latter rounds and, you know, 
keep up some good good output in there as well. So Katsingano, man, she's she's a she's a fierce fighter, and I think that she's going to make this fight a, a wrestling gritty type fight, and I think she'll get the takedowns and she will secure a decision win, possibly even getting a submission over Megan Anderson in this one. So the pick is going to be Zingano, and even at minus one fifty, I think there's a little bit of value on her. All right, moving on to the pay per view main card, we have. Oh wait, wait, excuse me. One more prelim. Um, I, I, I jumped the gun a little bit. One more prelim. We have Andre the Pitbull Orlovsky, who is twenty-seven and seventeen, taking on Walt Harris, who is eleven and seven. Andre Orlovsky opened up as the plus one fifty underdog to Walt Harris at minus one seventy-five. Looking over at five dimes right now, we see Walt Harris minus one sixty-five. Andre Orlovsky at plus one forty-five. So. Uh, not much, um, not much action coming in on this one. The line, line has stayed fairly the same. Uh, I, I think that the, I would agree with it. This one, you know, Walt Harris is a, uh, he's a, you know, an athletic guy. He th- throws with a lot of power on the feet. He, uh, he's much more athletic than Andre Arlovsky's most recent opponents. I, I would, I would put that out there pretty early. He, uh, you know, he was winning that fight against Mark Godbeer, and then he got DQ'd by some illegal kick. Uh, coming off of a win off of uh, Daniel Spitz as well, he uh, he's looked good in the UFC so far, man. He's picked up wins over Cody East, Chase Sherman, Cyril Asker. Also has uh, you know had really close losses to Shamil Abdurmanikov and uh, Mark Godbeer. A lot of people thought he won those fights. The Godbeer one I mentioned the DQ. But, um, you know, he's taken on Andre Arlovsky, who is, uh, you know, a, a veteran fighter. He's, you know, been, he was a former UFC heavyweight champion. He's had uh, his ups and downs throughout his UFC career. And it seemed like he was just coming off of an up, man. You know, he, he picked up two, uh, two decision wins in a row over Albini and Struve. And then he dropped two decisions in a row to Tyvus and uh, Shamil Abdurmanikov. So um, he's, you know, going up and down again. And uh, I think that, I think that... Walt Harris is going to pose a little bit of problems for him. Uh, you know, Arlovsky just, you know, his, he usually wins against low output, you know, low output strikers like Struve and Albini. I don't think that he, you know, uh, Walt Harris is, you know, fairly low output, but I just think that his power and his athleticism are going to give Andre problems. I really don't think that, uh, you know, Arlovsky, Arlovsky man, he, he's very active. I'll give him that. This is his fourth fight in 2018, but he just doesn't have it anymore. He, you know, doesn't look very fast. He doesn't have much power in his hands at all. Um, and, uh, you know, he relies on, you know, leg kicks and maybe, you know, a jab every now and then. He's, uh, you know, definitely a declining fighter at this point. So uh, the pick is going to be Walt Harrison get, to get this one done in this fight. And uh, not really looking forward to this one too much. But the main card of this pay-per-view is fucking electric. Let me tell you something. Five great great fights um you know th- uh, i think i think three of them are absolutely tremendous and we have two other g- very good fights as well so starting things off with one of the tremendous ones i would say chad mendez in uh, this fight excuse me this fight is taking place at in the featherweight division chad mendez who is 18 and 4 taking on alexander volkanovsky who is 18 and 1 the betting line for this one opened up chad mendez as the minus 175 favorite alexander volkanovsky as the plus 150 underdog volkanovsky is currently at minus or plus 140 excuse me chad mendez at minus 160 so a lot of movement coming in on this one uh you know it's it's been bouncing up and down all, all, all week 
you know, both of these guys are, are very, uh, very good wrestlers. You know, one is uh, there's a huge difference though. One is an Austra a good Australian wrestler, and one is a good American wrestler. The American wrestler has wrestled in you know high school and college and has really good D1 experience. While Volkanovski has showed great wrestling in the UFC, but in terms of his you know uh, his raw wrestling ability, I think that that. Uh, Chad Mendes is much much better uh, in that department, but uh, you know this fight is just very very interesting. It's uh it's uh, Volkanovski's first you know really elite level opponent I believe, and uh, you know there's still a lot of unknown about Chad Mendes coming off of his long layoff. He did have a two year layoff and he came back from it in his last fight against Miles Jury and knocked him out in the first round, but he didn't really get to show too much in that. He didn't really show too much wrestling. He obviously showed that his his striking and his power is still there, but he didn't get to show his, you know, di the diversity of his game, his cardio, his wrestling, everything um, that we wanted to see. While Alexander Volkanovsky in his last fight did show a little bit of everything. And, um, you know, he showed good wrestling, good ground and pound, good control, good, you know, good striking on the feet as well. So I think that, uh, you know, Volkanovsky is, you know, I just lean his way a little bit. For some reason, I think that, that you know, he's been more active. He's he's shown you know the ability to to have high high output through 15 minutes he showed power on the feet he showed good wrestling you know mendez hasn't shown off his wrestling his top control in a while i think that volkanovsky is uh is gonna try to you know make there's gonna be a lot of scrambles in this fight and i think the volkanovsky actually has a good chance of coming out on top of these uh these you know wrestling scrambles where they're you know going for takedowns defending takedowns threatening with submissions and you know mixing in some striking as well so i think it's gonna be a really high action exciting fight uh you know really hoping for a good competitive one and I, the pick is going to be alexander volkanovsky to be, uh, pull off the the uh, underdog impressive win against chad mendez in this one next fight in the light heavyweight division we have ira latifi who is 14 and 5 taking on Corey Anderson who is 11 and 4 the betting line for this one opened up Ira Latifi as the favorite oh excuse me this was a pick em fight at minus 110 minus 110 uh, very interesting line in that one uh you know we, we now have Ira Latifi as the minus 145 favorite to Corey Anderson at plus 125 this is another very good fight and um I'm gonna you know we'll break it down why, why? we have Ira Latifi who is a very powerful striker he's uh he's very short he's very short for the heavyweight division at 200 or excuse me at five foot eight inches but he you know had packs a punch to uh to go along with that we saw him rock uh you know a lot of his opponents most recently Ovin St. Prue he rocked him with the punch and then he choked him unconscious a guillotine choke so he's got he's got good submissions you know as well as as well as you know really good striking and power so I think that this one um you know, uh, he, he, he's good, got good wrestling and takedowns as well. So I think that, uh, you know, Corey Anderson is going to want to keep this fight standing, you know, fight behind the jab. He's looked really good on the feet lately. He's looked good cardio-wise, picking up a, a couple of nice uh, decision wins uh, over uh, Glover Teixeira and uh, Patrick Cummins. So I think that uh, you know uh, Corey Anderson actually might be the better striker in this spot, but he's he 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 has a good chance of getting caught by one of Ira Latifi's punches. He's not really had the best chin at times. He's gotten knocked out a few times in his UFC career. Um, so I, I, he's definitely uh, you know a, a fighter that is there to be hit, and he's uh, you know he's got a little bit of a chin issue. So. I think that Ira Latifi has a good chance of catching Corey Anderson with a bomb, and he's got a good chance of you know mixing up levels on uh, on the. 
uh, with the takedown. So I think that uh, Ira Latifi has more pass to win this fight, although although I think Corey Anderson will make it very competitive. He'll show some good takedown defense, and if his takedown defense is there, then he you know I could see him taking over the later rounds, you know, and uh, you know out. Uh, outscoring uh, Ira Latifi towards a decision. So I expect a really close, even fight in this one. And uh, I'm going to, the pick is going to be Ira Latifi to get the win. Next fight in the welterweight division, we have Carlos Condit, who is 30 and 12, taking on Mike Chiesa, who is 13 and 4. The betting line for this one opened up Carlos Condit as the plus 105 underdog, Mike Chiesa at minus 125. People are betting down Chiesa all the way to minus 170. Carlos Condit up to plus 150. A lot of action coming in on both sides of this fight. Carlos Condit actually went up to, I think, almost to 2 to 1 at one point. So he's a a little bit of money coming in on him since then. And uh, this is a very interesting fight. Uh, Michael Chiesa is uh, making the, the changing weight classes going up to 170 pounds in this one. You know, he's had str- struggle with the weight cut and uh, had a couple tough losses at 55. So he decided to take his talents to f- 70. And uh, Carlos Condit, man, really struggling as of lately. I think, he, I think he's lost three in a row. I know he lost to Alex Oliveira um, by uh, by choking that one. He lost to Neil Magny, Damian Maia, and Robbie Lawler. So four losses in a row. His last win was in 2015, man. That's insane. Three and a half years without a win for Carlos Condit. So very tough to pick him in this in this spot, honestly. Although he's fight- taking on a fighter who, in my opinion, sucks. Mike Chiesa sucks. He, you know, you saw in his last fight, man, he well, freaking waving his finger at his opponent acting like a kick didn't hurt him then gets dropped with a punch as he's you know waving his finger acting like he's not hurt gets dropped with a punch and he gets triangle choked as he's supposed to be he's supposed to be a submission specialist right well why are three of his losses in the ufc by by submission and i i don't know you know i always you know i always thought he sucked he's got a couple decent uh you know submission wins over Jim Miller and Benil Daryush. Both of those guys are black belts. But but man, he's uh, you know, he he just doesn't really look too good on the ground for being a, a so-called ground specialist. So Mike Chiesa is, you know, just a really underwhelming fighter. He's got I think his striking really sucks and uh his, his wrestling is no good obviously his chokes are good he's got good submissions but you know his, his wrestling is nothing special so i think carlos condit will win the striking exchanges easily in this fight but carlos condit's takedown defense his submission defense his jujitsu has always sucked his grappling has always sucked it's never gotten better in the past 10 years he's one of the most stagnant fighters in my in my memory honestly it's really unfortunate because he's a terrific striker he's got terrific cardio great kicks great boxing you know really tough gritty fighter but man his achilles heel is that grappling he's really uh he's you know he lost that that uh that close decision honestly i really thought he won that fight against robbie lawler could have been the champion and then all of a sudden goes on to uh get out grappled in two of his fights and uh you know just neil magny really just outclassed him he looked terrible in that fight so you know, Carlos kind of fought the same time last year. Like I said, against Neil Magny looked really, really bad. So hopefully he could look a bit, a little bit better. Uh, hopefully he can make this fight entertaining and make it competitive on the feet and, you know, get his striking going. But I, I honestly think that Mike Chiesa will somehow get this fight to the ground and he will at some point get a, you know, a choke in or some sort of take the back of Condit and get the submission. So the pick is going to be Michael Chiesa to win uh, most likely by decision.
Now, in the title fights, the co-main event of the evening, a women's super fight between the UFC women's featherweight champion uh, Christine Cyborg Justino, who is 20-1, and the UFC bantamweight champion Amanda the Lioness Nunes, who is 16-4. The betting line for this one opened up. Amanda, or excuse me, uh, Cyborg as the minus 300 favorite, and Amanda Nunes at plus 230. Uh, line margins tighten up a little bit. Cyborg's currently at minus 240, while Amanda Nunes is at plus 220. And uh, the betting line is, uh, you know, Nunes's line staying a little bit the same, but uh, a little bit of action coming in on Nunes, so uh, shrinking Justino's line down a little bit. So. It's a very, very competitive fight, I believe. It's, you know, a true, true super fight. Two women at the top of their game, champions taking on one another at 145-pound division. I really can't wait for this fight. It's going to be a great, great striking battle. Both of these women are, you know, great on the ground as well, but they really like to strike. They both are, you know, boxers, I would say, is their specialty. They both have very heavy hands. You know, I think Amanda Nunes has faster hands, but I think uh, Cyborg throws with more power. You know, Amanda Nunes showing off her good cardio in her last fight, uh, taking the fight five rounds against, uh, you know, Raquel Pennington and getting that finish in the fifth round. Uh, Cyborg also, uh, was her last fight against Holly Holm a year ago? I think it was. Uh, no, no, she fought Kuniskaya, that's right. Um, Kuniskaya taking her out in there in, in one round. That was a really easy fight, but Holly Holm, uh, she, you know, had a really competitive fight with Cyborg around this time last year. Uh, Holm arguably won the first two rounds of that fight, and then Cyborg really showed her, uh, you know, her, her uh, veterans, uh, veteran, I don't even know just her veteran abilities uh by taking that fight uh into the latter rounds making the necessary adjustments and winning the rounds three four and five to a decision in that one so impressive victory for cyborg in that one she uh you know has also you know beaten leslie smith lena landsberg tony evinger you know a lot of a lot of good girls in the ufc i think amanda nunes though has fought and beaten the better competition in the ufc you know ronda rousey uh, misha tate Raquel Pennington, Shevchenko twice, Sarah McMahon, Jermaine Durandame. That that win looks terrific. You know, so so I think Amanda Nunes is definitely has uh, has the better strength to schedule. I think that that, that uh, Amanda Nunes is is. Uh, you know, has always been affected by that weight cut. She's actually, I think, had some weight cutting troubles before, and uh, you know, I think that going up to 145 pounds will benefit her immensely. While Cyborg is making that tough cut to 145, like she is used to, you know, tip a very, very uh, famous fighter for uh, having an awful weight cut is uh, Cyborg. So I think this fight is going to be, uh, you know, razor thin. I think that these these boxing exchanges are going to be. You know, back and forth, I think Amanda Nunes will be landing hard jabs and hard punches, and I think Cyborg will be countering with big power shots and, you know, getting the respect of Nunes. So it really comes down to, you know, uh, who will be landing the more uh, the more uh, effective shots in this one. Uh, I think that... Uh I think Amanda Nunes will will win some rounds in some judges' minds based on output and based on landing more shots, and I think the Cyborg will win some round, rounds in judges' minds based on you know power and 
you know, the, the fact that, you know, maybe backing Nunez up. So, man, I think this one is going to decision. I think that this, it's going to be a really close decision. Honestly, I think we could be due for a 48-47 split type of thing. And one of the best women's fights of all time, I think we're in for. So, really looking forward to this one. And I, 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 with how close it is, with how close I think it is, I think that it's crazy that Amanda Nunes is plus 240 or whatever she is now, plus 220. I think that if there's if there's value on this fight, it is on Amanda Nunes, the underdog. So I'm the the pick, man. I'm gonna side with my girl Amanda, man. I think that she's gonna be you know jabbing uh, Cyborg up. She's gonna be uh, maybe uh, you know get, you know swelling up her eyes, you know cutting her, uh, getting some blood in her eyes, you know making this fight really dirty. Uh, you know, I think Amanda Nunes even maybe maybe mix in that takedown. Maybe go, I think that she could maybe win a few grappling exchanges against Cyborg. She's pretty Cyborg. I think is pretty rusty on the ground. We really really don't see her on the ground much. While Nunes, we have seen a grapple a, a bit more recently in the octagon. So the, I'm gonna side with Nunes in this one, and I think that we uh, we might even see a, a, the new double champion in this one. So really looking forward to this fight. And in the main event, the fight we mentioned earlier, the ever so famous John Jones, who is undefeated at 22 wins and one disqualification loss against Alexander Gustafson, who is 18 and four. The betting line for this one opened up John Jones as the minus uh, 200 favorite to Alexander Gustafson at plus 170. Money coming in on John Jones, shifting him to a plus, or excuse me, to a minus 255 favorite, while Alexander Gustafson is plus 235. So these two gentlemen have fought before. You know, one of the most epic fights in UFC history, going down to UFC 165, September 22nd, 2013. Over five year long years ago, this rematch was scheduled for UFC 178, and then it fell through, and Cormier came in, and then they rebooked that fight for 182, and then uh, you know the, uh, Jones and Cormier had their their rivalry, and we have never gotten that Alexander Gustafson rematch, but now it is it is here, the rematch between Gustafson and John Jones. So um, John Jones undefeated, never lost in the UFC, never lost in the octagon, has beaten every man he's ever fought and you know he what can you say what, what more can you say about him he's the greatest fighter of all time he's you know he's got great kicks great fight iq great submissions good wrestling you know power in his hands he's he's got everything he's he's truly truly one of a kind one of the uh not one of the best fighter who has ever walked this earth alexander gustafson is you know a very legit opponent though he's he's you know their fight before was really close you know it was uh, I think John Jones's closest fight of his career, you know, and uh, Gustafson is, you know, has looked has looked great since then. He's uh, beaten Jan Blahovic by decision. That win looks really good considering how good Blahovic has looked lately. And he also has a, a, a knockout win over Glover Teixeira. Uh, he's been a little bit inactive though; hasn't really fought in uh, close to 18 months. Even more inactive than John Jones, considering John Jones is coming off of a 15-month suspension too. So. You know, Gustafson's been facing a little bit of injuries and hasn't really been as active as he wanted to. But regardless, he is a you know a great boxer. He's got good hands, fast hands, power in the hands. He's got you know uh, you know the ability to throw throw some knees and some clinching in there as well. He's even taken John Jones down before too, so he he could you know even wrestle or grapple with him. But I, I, I just think his defense is a little flawed. Alexander Gustafson likes running around the cage a little bit. He likes, you know, uh, he, he likes 
just bad defense is is, uh, what I would say Gustafson's biggest problem is. And that's just not going to fly against John Jones, man. He will catch you. He will throw a head kick up there. He will time you. He will, you know, set things up beautifully. He's just got incredible... He's got incredible fight IQ, incredible instincts, uh, incredible setups. Everything about John Jones is just you know great. So I think that uh, uh, you know throughout. I don't think it'll be finished. I don't think that there'll be a finish in this fight. I think it's you know they went the five hard rounds before. I think they're going to be familiar with one another. I think their ring rust is going to play a factor. Neither of them have fought in you know close to eighteen months. So I think there's going to be a feeling out process. The first couple rounds will be a little bit slow. There's a chance there's you know maybe a, they were they're setting something up in the first couple rounds and then they land that power shot in the third, fourth, or fifth, causing the knockout. But I, I really don't think that's going to happen. I think this fight will go to the decision. I do really see John Jones ultimately winning four rounds, you know, um, you know, maybe it'll be close and beat like the first fight, maybe be three, two or something like that. But I think that John Jones will win this one, you know, with, with, with all the news of the steroid test, the trace amounts, I, I fully believe that John Jones is on steroids for this fight. So, I think that we will see, you know, the you know a, a, a charged up, juiced up John Jones in there. He will be stronger, faster than ever. He will be, you know, looking to make a statement coming back from his uh, his long layoff, trying to silence all the haters and the doubters, and you know, put himself in position to, you know, fight Daniel Cormier for that heavyweight belt at some point in 2019. That is definitely the the fight, the money fight, uh, the trilogy fight uh, at heavyweight, which is what everyone would love to see. The two of five champ versus two. 65 champ so that'll be a great one so in terms of this main event i i don't think gustafson is going to have is going to have the ability to beat john in this one i don't think he has shown enough adjustments enough improvements enough you know uh activity to to think that he will beat john jones in this rematch if he did not beat him in their first fight it was a pretty clear John Jones win in their first fight. A lot of people disagree with the decision in the uh, in the in the moment, you know. Uh, so no one had ever really uh, fought John Jones to a competitive decision before. So a lot of people thought that Gustafson won that the night of. But you know, you go back and you rewatch it, and you realize that that fight was pre- uh, a pretty clear John Jones win. So uh, the pick is going to be John Bones Jones to uh, add another victim to the undefeated list. So uh, that will be all for the UFC 232 show. It uh you know all that crazy crazy drama with it moving from Vegas to California we re- recapped in the beginning. So uh you know it, but it, top to bottom what an incredible card what a great card to close out the year it, the close out the Fox Sports One era. Uh it you know it's got you know some incredible matchups. I really think there's a lot a lot of close you know coin flip type fights in this fight. Uh, on this card, it's really even hard to pick a lot of these fights. Uh, who who you think's gonna be a winner? So I think there'll be some great live betting spots as usual, and uh, I uh, recommend BetDSI. Recommend five dimes for all your uh, live betting fight lines. And um, w- with that being said, we are going to quickly recap the UFC on Fox 31 card that went down two weeks ago. We'll just quickly run through all these fights because you don't like to miss too many fights. Here and uh, starting things off, we had Juan Adams defeat Chris De La Rocha by TKO. You know, Juan Adams looking really good in there. His, his boxing was on point, just like we expected. And man, he put an absolute beating on Chris De La Rocha in this one. You know, uh, almost hard to watch at some point. Just, just absolute mauling. Chris De La Rocha is too tough for his own good. He's not really UFC caliber though. He's not a good fighter, and I think it's time for him to, uh, to wrap it up. 
Um, so uh, Mike, next fight, Mike Rodriguez defeating Adam Milstead by knee to the body and some ground and pound. Beautiful finish from Mike Rodriguez, just a picture perfect, straight left to the body, following up with a left knee. Just great placement, great power, you know, great performance from Mike Rodriguez in this one, and Adam Milstead, you know, retiring after this fight has had some uh, tough fights lately and uh, that was the his last fight so impressive win for Mike Rodriguez in there uh, next fight we had Dan Ige defeat uh, Jordan Griffin by decision two rounds to one really close fight uh, Dan Ige winning the first round Griffin winning the second round and Ige, Ige coming out to win the third really uh, you know you couldn't possibly argue t- uh, Jordan Griffin 10 he did that second round I don't really know I think that I think that Jordan Griffin uh, could have snuck out the decision although I was on Jordan Griffin uh, his decision line though so I'm obviously biased but very close fight from these both gentlemen Dan Ige that was you know really uh, underwhelming so far has not impressed me at all and despite the loss I think Jordan Griffin looks pretty good next fight uh, really awful boring fight Zach Cummings defeating Trevor Smith by decision just terrible terrible fight Honestly, I think Trevor Smith was, did more in this fight to, to win. Uh, maybe I, th- I thought he deserved a decision. So, uh, But uh, that's enough said about that one. Jack Hermosin just running through Gerald Michard, man. Just dominating the, the top position. Me- filthy ground and pound. And then submitting Gerald Michard, the submission artist himself. Just an incredible performance from Jack Hermosin. And uh, he really shows a versatile game. <laughs> Next fight, the fight of the night, Joaquim Silva defeated Jared Gordon by knockout in the third round. An incredible fight, uh, you know, back and forth. Jordan, Jared Gordon was, you know, winning the first round, rocked Silva at the end of the first round, won the first, you know, the first, second was going back and forth, and then in the third round, these guys were just throwing down, and eventually Jared Gordon uh, was caught with a few clean punches and uh, not knocked out. More of a TKO, honestly, I think, but, you know, incredible performance from both of them. Do- Joaquim Silva dug real deep showed some good cardio like has been his problem before and you know just just great fight of the night from these two gentlemen next fight we had Jakar Close defeat Bobby Green in a very close decision Jakar Close was a pretty big favorite in this one Bobby Green looked pretty good in there for being that big of an underdog but uh you know Jakar Close ultimately uh you know outpointing Bobby Green by a slight margin uh, next fight, we had Zach Otto defeat Dwight Grant in a highway robbery of a decision. You know, very low output fight, but it was clear a clear Dwight Grant decision. Uh, I would, you know, not use robbery uh, very, very lightly in some circumstances, but this one was a robbery. It was no no way Zach Otto won that fight. It's absolutely criminal to, to give that, that fight to that guy. It makes no sense at all, but um, regardless. Moving on to the main car, we had Charles Oliveira run through Jim Miller, taking him down and choking him out in 75 seconds via rear naked choke. Very impressive performance from Oliveira. Sergio, uh, Rob Font defeats Sergio Pettis by a dominant decision. Rob Font's jab was on point in this fight. It was lighting Sergio up on the feet for the entire 15 minutes. And a great performance from Rob Font. Uh, another back and forth crazy fight Edson Barbosa versus Dan Hooker you know crazy amount of kicks going back and forth in this fight and eventually Edson Barbosa accumulating a massive amount of damage uh, resulting in the finish via knockout uh, of Dan Hooker in the third round just an incredible incredible uh, fight from Edson Barbosa both gentlemen you know Dan Hooker is tough as nails 
and uh, Barbosa just looks terrific in there, coming bouncing back off his two really bad losses. So good to see him back. And in the main event, Raging Ally Quinta pulls off the huge upset over Kevin Lee, beating him by decision, two rounds to three or three rounds to two, two cards and four rounds to one on one. Just a really impressive performance from Ali Quinta. His boxing was on point. His his sub defense was on point. His takedown defense was great. He uh, you know d he got his back taken a couple times, but he defended both of those times. Was able to avoid the very dangerous chokes of Kevin Lee, and he was able to really dominate the striking exchanges for the for the majority of the fight uh, in this one. Ali Quinta just looked great. His boxing was on point. His cardio was great. He was landing hard shots in the latter round. Almost looked like he was going for a finish in the last thirty seconds could have possibly finished that fight if it you know went one more round but you know we really dug deep after the you know getting his back taken and whatnot and uh really securing those rounds necessary and uh despite being a big a big uh, 2.5 underdog or a plus 250 underdog uh Ally Quinta pulled out the impressive victory in that one so uh great performance from Ally, Ally Quinta in that fight all right, so we just recapped the UFC on Fox 31, the last Fox card. Uh, you know, the end of an era. It's a uh, you know great, great uh, era. But uh, like I said in the previous episodes, the ratings had just been steadily, steadily declining for a long, long time, and it was it was time for the program to go. We're looking forward to the the new future of the ESPN era, UFC on ESPN. It'll be a pretty surreal sight to see the uh, UFC on ESPN. So um, with that being said, we recapped that event and we broke down the entire UFC 232 controversy and card in in its entirety. So hope you all enjoyed the episode. Hope you all have a great new year, great holiday season. And, uh, you know, in the uh, 2018, it's been a pleasure. Uh, all, you know, 40 episodes, 40 two episodes i've done this year it's been great and i'm looking forward towards the next year so ladies gentlemen boys girls aliens martians any conscious beings tuning into the podcast i thank you for tuning in to episode 45 of martian mixed martial arts and i will catch you all in 2019 peace